breakfast take, and we're going to talk about scary relationships in the spirit of Halloween, so don't go anywhere. Hey everybody, welcome to Therapist Take, and we are happy to have you here, and this is going to be our very first uh, episode that will be featured on the Therapist Take podcast, and so of course you'll be able to find that eventually on Apple Podcasts and uh, Spotify probably, uh, but there won't it won't be up there for quite a while, So, but if you are listening to this on the podcast, you can join in on these episodes as we record them live. And even participate live through the comments section as we uh, filter through them. And uh, we're happy to have you do that. You can do that through Facebook, in which we'll, we'll make sure to put the, the uh, handle for our, our Facebook handle up on the screen so you can see that. And you can also do it through YouTube. And so you'll see that come up on your screen here in just a second. And if, you're, if you are on YouTube, please make sure you subscribe to our channel. Don't forget to hit the bell and do all the shenanigans that everybody says on YouTube. You know, so that uh, the videos can get out there more and we can make those algorithms happy. So, <laughs> but I am here with my colleague and business partner and friend, Carrie Kiger, and um, we are going to talk about scary relationships. And uh, we thought this was appropriate. Of course, um, I didn't figure out that. I didn't put it together until we got here that this is connected to Halloween. Yeah, which is what I thought you would understand right away. Right. You're so happy that I got, like, why. I'm like, yeah, it's a perfect Yeah, he, he it liked today. it until I explicitly pointed out it was connected to Halloween. Right. Yeah. And uh, I'm like, oh, okay, I get it yeah. now. But I think it's a good topic. It is a good topic. Right? I think it's right. one that we needs to be discussed because a lot of people are in scary relationships. Sure, and, sure. Um, and of course, we've worked with many clients who are in scary, scary relationships. Mm -hmm. I do think scary relationships is like the, you know, the concept of scary is more of a continuum, right? Right, right, right. So what would you say like would be the extreme? Toxic, right? I mean, that's right. the word that we kind of debated today, right? Around, right. We're talking about toxic relationships and scary was obviously a nod to Halloween and scary is more of, you know, a common word to describe, Oh, that sounds scary. Or, Oh, mm -hmm. he said, what? That sounds scary. Right. It's just kind of, that would probably be on the low mm. end, right. When we're using the word scary, perhaps right. from a clinical perspective, we'd be talking toxic or dangerous, right. On the high right. end of that continuum. Yeah. Danger definitely right. comes to mind, which will, is, is one of the topics that we're going to talk about. Right. So right. we are going to address uh, a few different things in a, a short amount of time here. Um, which would include uh, identifying these scary relationships right. and uh, dangerous partners, so toxic, and mm -hmm. kind of identifying that toxicity, sure. basically in its varying degrees. Uh, we're going to uh, talk about how to detox the relationship, basically, mm -hmm. and then lastly, we're going to talk about managing the emotional aftermath because. Um, there's a there's a lot of intensity oh, in yeah. the uh, uh, in changing the relationship so that it's no longer scary or and or toxic, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And so there's some it's basically like it's kind of coming down from that intensity, and then other emotions kind of show up from that, right. and right, and and they have to be managed. Absolutely. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. So do you want to put a plug in for our sponsor? <laughs> 
No, I'm so joking. funny, Josh, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Famous Solutions is the sponsor. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, so let's start with uh, identifying these toxic relationships. Okay. What Scary are Scary and toxic. Sc- I'm sorry. Yes. I'm sorry. I'm still stuck on the word. I toxic, know you are. Right? I know. Well, you're thinking like a clinician. Sure. sure. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so what would you, like if you're working with somebody and you're, you're, I think we're kind of always paying attention for this, you know, looking for those cues, just kind of, just kind of organic for us now at this Mm -hmm. point. Um, What are you looking for when you're working with someone that's, that's kind of hinting around at this idea that this, this relationship's kind of scary. Yeah. So, I I mean, again, I'm going to say some things that are all going to have intensity levels too, right? So kind of be thinking of them on a continuum, right? But um, one of the signs that I often am listening for are ways that, you have to give up your autonomy in order to be in that relationship, right? Whether that's all of your time, all of your focus, all of your energy, um, all of you. Because a committed relationship is going to have some healthy amount of interdependence, right? Places that you depend on each other and places of separateness and independence. But in a relationship where it's pretty much all about the other person or all about the relationship and there can't be any autonomy, there can't be any individual identity, that is going to engulf someone, right? And that's dangerous and toxic. Mm-hmm. And you don't just see this in romantic relationships, right? You can definitely see it in parent-child relationships. You can see it sometimes in friendships. But I think we primarily identify it with, you know, a dating or romantic partner. Right. So you're talking about the all about you uh, thing. Um it, it it reminds me of gaslighting. Yeah, also, sure. Also got gaslighting on the brain because I just wrote that article yeah. about right. gaslighting, which we should do an episode on. Sure. I, I will make sure to link that in the description of uh, of this video so people can can see this article that I wrote on the twelve types of gaslighting. But um, <clears throat> this uh, being in a relationship where it's where they're making it all about them, all about them. And then it, it kind of sets to me, it kind of establishes a rule system that makes the, the, the partner where it's not all about them, their role becomes kind of this nurturer or caretaker. And Mm -hmm. then their self kind of gets lost or absorbed in, in that phenomenon. And so there's a very low self care and nobody's taking care of them in right. return. Right. Right. So the right. give and take definitely isn't there. Doesn't exist. Sure. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's a good way to describe it. And I think gaslighting um, is part of it. I think, you know, y- the low end of intensity could be being in a relationship with what I would call maybe a high demand partner. Mm-hmm. Right. And so you got a high demand partner that's more persnickety, right. Or requiring right. and the other one's more adaptable and agreeable. Mm-hmm. And so the, the shifting and sharing mm-hmm. of that mutual caregiving can kind of skew one way. That's not necessarily toxic, but it does have an element of concern, right? Right, right? Where it becomes scary and toxic is when it is all about that. And or when the high demand partner is using covert mm-hmm. or um, explicit or even not so explicit um, abusive techniques in order sure. to keep those demands being met. Yeah, yeah. An example being... Are you asking? Are you yes. About to tell <laughs> okay, I can tell if you're getting ready to share one. No, no, or? I'm asking you, like, for you, what, what's the example that comes to your mind okay. of, of that? I think it's going to look often, often things like kind of common patterns in relationships, silent treatment, mm-hmm. um, withdrawal, withholding, 
um, oh, you want to do it that way? Fine, mm-hmm. right? And then kind of the silent treatment. It can mm-hmm. look like, you know, outright criticism. What, you want to do it that way? Well, that's yeah. ridiculous, right? Um, it can look like um, coercion or trying to, you know, mm-hmm. just get your way through manipulation that, you know, that, that part that comes definitely up the scale of toxic, chip away at your own individual right. identities and perspectives. Yeah, I think I think something is imp- that's important to be clear on is that, um, you know, there's no uh there's no relationship where there's a, a violence that isn't toxic Absolutely. right i mean so sure like but in the re- it might sound that might sound silly to some people that we have to say that but for the person that's in it um it's it's kind of just the way of life mm-hmm. and it doesn't and it, it just doesn't click with them sometimes right. that that this is really bad mm-hmm. you know and um, but there's, I, I just wanted to kind of, you know, kind of make that as a baseline because what you're talking about is kind of this nonviolent, um, right. way of kind of co- coercing people and manipulating. And, uh, and of course, again, my mind is going back to, um, you know, the, the gaslighting, uh, that's about vulnerability, uh, safety exploitation mm. basically. And so, and, and you actually are, were the one who, uh, I kind of identified this for me. So like when I was coming up with that very last 12th, the, the 12th oh. form of gaslighting that uh, I call the forsaker was actually something that you brought to my attention in talking about uh, partners that will threaten the, the relation, the, their presence in the relationship to, in order to get their way. Mm-hmm. And so in other words, it's kind of like, um, you know, who would you be without me? You know, or, you know, I'll, we'll see how well you do if I just leave, you know, I'll just leave and then we'll see how well you do, you know, and it's kind of establishing like you, you, you're nothing without mm-hmm. me here mm-hmm. and I'm threatening to forsake you in order to manipulate you back into this to- toxic or scary <laughs> uh, way of doing things, mm-hmm. you know, so that's, that's kind of what I was thinking of Kay. and, and. And you might <laughs> you were looking at me like you don't remember telling me that, but that actually did. Uh, I don't. I believe you. I don't remember. Yeah, you. you, you I say so many good things. I know I so many. Can't track um, them all. But you probably came up with all twelve of those, and you don't. And I could just take. Credit. You're the one who just wrote them down. <laughs> <laughs> but the nonviolence thing, I think, right. is important too, because uh, for people that are listening to this or watching this, that the um, look, if, if somebody is throwing things across the room and breaking things. And then in, and they come in our office or something and they're like, well, I'm, you know, I, I've, I didn't touch her or I didn't touch him. Mm-hmm. So let's not make this just one sided or, or just about men to women, but it also happens from women to men. You know, when things are being thrown in, uh, the emotional intensity rises to such a, gr- sure. a degree that it's scary. That's violence. Yeah. Right. You know, mm-hmm. and. And uh, it's just you might not be being actually touching that person, but you're generating a type of fear right. in that person that makes them think that, um, you know, one false step and then this could be directed at me, right. basically. Right. No, and I think that <coughs> violence is something that I think we intuitively know that's dangerous, right? We know that's right. not going to work. I think that what we see in the offices is the stuff that's, you know, the, the whole point of it, it's more provoking of a question of like, mm-hmm. but is that right? 
they were very upset or mm -hmm. I just didn't understand what they were saying. And so it went that direction. And those kind of questions are legitimate to ask, but oftentimes are also indicators that maybe some, mm -hmm. some way that people's realities are being manipulated. And um, at the core, you know, I think that you have to trust your gut. And if you find that you're being chipped away at or gaslit over and over and over mm -hmm. and your gut doesn't understand it, that's a big indicator, right? That you're in a scary and perhaps toxic right. and dangerous relationship. Yeah, we talk about, you know, uh, paying, t paying attention to your gut. Right. It's kind of being uh, a big step in, you know, changing these dynamics and reclaiming the self mm -hmm. and things like that. Um, and of course, you know, the violent stuff I think is the, this, these are more obvious, uh, indicators of toxicity in a relationship right. and kind of where we started out on. So we're kind of back kind of coming full circle here and backtracking are these more subtle ways. Like, and so like when, um, you, you pick up on uh, one part in the relationship where it's just, everything's kind of orchestrated or, uh, constructed around, um, the, the, the care and the wants and the desires of one person. Mm -hmm. um, that's, yeah, there might not, there might not be a lot of yelling or emotional abuse or in mm -hmm. no physical abuse and things like that, but it's just kind of, it's alarming. Yeah. Right. Sure. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and somewhat disturbing. Well, we've all had you friends, know. right. That you start getting in relationships and they kind of disappear. Sure. Right. And you say, well, why are you always with the other's friends and why don't we see you anymore? And mm -hmm. those are the things that aren't necessarily dangerous, but they create hmm, this kind of scary. I haven't seen you in a year since you started dating that person. Yeah. Right. And so, again, just indicators kind of like what yeah. you're, you're noticing here, Josh, not all the way. Right. right. As and, obvious. And yeah. And I think kind of to piggyback on that with what I see or kind of one thing I look for is kind of like a robotic mm -hmm. response. And so. Um, certain keywords or certain, you know, combination of words and feelings in, in, you know, in whatever context they're in. And then um, outcomes, just kind of the response, just this pre-programmed response. And, and one thing I think of, and I've told you this story before, is, um, you know, my wife and I, we, we have, when, when our daughter was born and she's our, our baby, she's, and she's not a baby anymore, but she is the, the last one. She's the baby. And we were like, we're not going to have a baby. Like, we don't want our child to be a baby. Like, you know, we're not going to be those parents. And we're going to. So we were, like, really intentional about, like, hey, we're not going to give her stuff when she just whines and cries. And, <laughs> and, and But then a couple of things happened. One is that we couldn't be around all the time when she's with the older boys. And they could care less about what happens to her when she's grown, <laughs> what kind of person she grows into. That's right. And so they're like, they just want her to shut up. Mm -hmm. And so they'll give her whatever she wants just to get her to keep her quiet when we're sure. not around. And so we're, that effect is still happening. Mm -hmm. Right. But then I think like there's just this built in motherly instinct to just care for your kid, Sure. you know, and uh, I would come home or walk in the kitchen or something and. Uh, my daughter's asked my wife, like, hey, can you make me a PB&J? And she is more than capable of making a PB&J. And my wife is in there making it, but, like, it's like her body's willfully doing this, <laughs> and her face is begrudgingly doing this. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, babe, you know, you know she can make that herself. And then that revelation hits her, like it knocks her out of the trance. And she's like, ah, my, she asked me, my body just does it, yeah. you know, just – it's just automatic, you mm -hmm. know, and then she catches herself halfway through 
And she's frustrated, like, mm-hmm. oh, I should have made her, you know, make this sandwich, you know. Um, but I think that's that programming, you know, mm-hmm. that's really hard to combat. And I think, you know, in these scary relationships, a, a lot of times I do think it's m- more one partner or the other. Every now and then you'll get two people that are just, both of them are scary. Sure. Right? And I think that this one partner is able to, whether it's conscious or subconscious, I hope it's subconscious. If it's conscious, we're talking about a different type of scary. Yes. But, are. you know, kind of subconsciously hones in on this programming mm-hmm. and takes advantage of it, basically. Yeah. Sure. Sorry. Exploits it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Even if it's a little kid. <laughs> <laughs> the little kids, the kids are Sorry. great at exploiting our, right. uh, I know. our I know. pre-programming as parents. It's true. It's true. You know. But I think, too, that you're also kind of going to another aspect, right, of some scary relationships. And that's how in, how intense is your conflict, right? I mean, right. conflict by nature, just the word conflict is intense, right? Yeah. But I think that con- conflict that escalates beyond your control, right, conflict mm-hmm. where you, you know, you'll find yourself or you're, you're over and over saying, oh my gosh, I'm just not that kind of person. But in that moment, I acted like that, right? Right. I think that's another scary aspect, right? Being in a relationship that brings out a part of you that really goes against your value system. And th- mm-hmm. when you're in that conflict that you feel consistently out of control. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's, and th- that gets me thinking about just kind of the, uh, I just picture the, the uh, a partner looking in the mirror and just kind of going, where, who are you? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, and, and I've, and it seems like, you know, I don't know if this is just, you know, a, a, a post, you know, um, pandemic effect or whatever. It just seems like a lot lately. I've heard so many people tell me, I used, I used to like me, mm-hmm. you know, and I used to, I used to know me. I used to like me and I don't even know where I went, you mm-hmm. know, and what happened, mm-hmm. you know, and there's just then, you know, from there we're partaking on this journey of self-discovery or self-rediscovery or mm-hmm. something to that effect. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think that's a good a way to like, you know, are you in a scary relationship? Are you looking in a mirror and just not even recognizing the person looking back at you yeah. anymore? Yeah. And it's, and it's connected to this relationship. That sure. You're Sure. And I think that that also can look often like f- kind of a little of what you already said, though, the idea of people will say, like, I've just frozen, like, I just don't even respond, I don't even notice. And mm-hmm. sometimes that's an adaptable skill, right? Like not reacting to every kid's screaming fit around wanting a cookie when they're three. But over time, it can when you're in a especially in a like a adult parent child relationship or a romantic dating relationship when you find that you're having to check out and you're frozen and you're automated mm-hmm. that's another indicator that perhaps you're in a scary space that your body's re- your body and brain are autopiloting you for safety right. right and that's maybe often when people look in the mirror and say things like you're saying ah, who is this person that just got railroaded by their partner and doesn't even notice it right, right. that just is cool with no one mm-hmm. asking them about how things are going or right. etc right yeah i agree i think I think it's a good opportunity to get into the next part. But before we do that, I just want to plug, because I'm thinking about John Gottman's mm. book, The Seven Principles yep. for... Um, making Marriage Work. Making a Marriage Work. That's what it is. I'll make sure to put a link to that, too, for people. Uh, but in, in that book, he identifies the four horsemen of the right. apocalypse, right? So if you're really looking for kind of a progression of mm-hmm. toxicity relationally, 
when you see these four horsemen, um, that's, uh, you know, it should be raising alarm. Right. I don't, I can't remember what the first one is. I know defensiveness and then there's resentment. Stonewalling. Oh, stonewalling. That's mm-hmm. what defensive, Defensiveness, resentment, stonewalling, and contempt. Contempt. And contempt is when he says, basically, the relationship has jumped the shark, right? Yeah. Contempt is really scary for the survival of the relationship. Right. It's you feel contempt for somebody, mm-hmm. it's, uh, at least from the research, I don't want people to think that they're just going right. to be a statistic. It's not like right. you can't come back from that. And the concept is, in terms of measuring this, is ambiguous. It, uh, of course. And even you know. the experience of contempt, right? Right. What does that mean? Thinking sometimes that your partner is ridiculous. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But but I think still that the, his research is pretty pretty profound yes. and pretty darn great right at yeah. predicting so the whole idea that. is that yeah. you don't want to get to a place right where that's that's the place that you feel when, when we're checking in about your relationship that's that's very scary as particularly to have yeah. experience but for the outcome of the relationship right so yeah. in these scary scary relationships where in where different levels of toxicity have been identified how do we detox it mm. that, that how do we detox it that is the next question yeah. or the next thing we're going to yeah. talk about. And detox is a good word, right? Because the idea that it's a process. You're right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. You got to get away and you got to know that you're going to go through some things. Yeah. Uh, it's not a one phase in or out. Yeah. Stop it. it. You, you can't right. go take a bath and drop a bath bomb in, <laughs> in the tub and then you get out and it's all. It's all leached better. from I, you. I, if, if. If someone ever comes up with that, mm-hmm. let me know. Yeah, because, you uh, bet. That'd be wonderful. Billion dollar idea. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, side note, I like bath bombs. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I really yeah. do. Like, I know. Um, but anyways. I know. Uh, we can talk about I like about the way they episode. make the whole bathroom smell good. I know. Yeah. Like, I like how, I don't, I don't even know if it really, I, I think it's just more psychological for me. It's like, I'll take I it. I just put something in this water right. that's going to make me feel good better. For me. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> smells good. So it's got to be good. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's got to be. And it's mm-hmm. like, even though it looks like you just dropped some nuclear. I know. In the your fizzing. <laughs> yeah. I know. It could be concerning. I remember when my kids were the first time doing it. The fuzz, you know, the buzzing and the fuzzing and all that, the fizzing. I know. Interesting, right? Yeah. Okay. Sorry, we digress there. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, back to (laughs) truly detoxing relationships. Back to the episode. Right. Um, Uh Okay, so we're gonna talk about detoxing the relationship, and as we said, it's it's a process. Um, So ideally, uh, you know, I think ideally is finding a therapist, and you know, on our YouTube channel, some of the comments I get is like. We're like, man, we've watched this whole video. It's like, go find a therapist. You uh, know, I was like, but that is the ideal situation is to find a professional that can help you work through these things. Sure. But that's that's not often realistic for a lot of people. Sure. So sure. I think, you know, um, if uh, we will put links to uh, uh, therapist directories Good. Uh, so people can, you know, start searching that out if you haven't already. But I think, you know, when it comes to what comes to my mind right off the cusp of working at detoxing is realizing the value of self, Mm. you know, and that's, you know, I've got to find me again. I've got to tend to me and starting to make efforts to just tend to yourself, even the smallest of things like, um, I, I was uh, turned on to the podcast, the Huberman Labs podcast, for oh, example, yeah. 
and, I, and I'm just I was just I, the person who told me about it which uh, without naming names was one of my clients and I just I when he came in one day I just told him thank you because it like that podcast just there's just little subtle things that I started doing for myself from that that he would talk about on this podcast just like turning on the lights in the morning to to increase your photon intake so that you can have more energy I feel like I told you that did you tell me about uh-huh, that? I did tell you to do that. Oh, my okay. bad. Um, let yeah. me do a, a retraction. Uh, yeah. Thank you, okay. Carrie Kiger. Well, for also, <laughs> I, mean, I know that he, that episode, and I agree. But you want, you listen to that? one? I too? listen to that one. Yes, right. yes. Um, or, um, you know, uh, just uh, you know, man- managing sleep habits a little bit better. You know, that was another uh, thing that I did. Was just trying to not get on my phone if I wake up in the middle of the night or mm-hmm. things like I mean just it, there's just little things that you can do that just makes uh mm-hmm. it's just a, a little effort towards self-care sure. and I think you just discover a little bit of yourself yeah at a time yeah and that and that's just really empowering yeah yeah I think that's really important because a lot of what this looks like in in therapy and, and even, I mean, I- individual or couples therapy is that someone will say, oh my gosh, how did I get myself into a relationship like this, right? How mm-hmm. did I, a lot of the times I'll hear the, li- the language, how did I allow this to happen, right? right. Or yeah. we sometimes will ask people, you know, how did you consent to this being created, mm-hmm. right? And those aren't judgmental questions. That is exploration of self that you're talking about, right? And I think that this is also where accessing awareness of self um, and I would say that the next step in that is really accessing self-compassion, right? Oh, yeah. Because um, the road to hell is paved in good intentions. Right. But I think it's really important to go ahead and acknowledge that probably how this happened was full of, of hope and, and, and safety-seeking and trying to see the best in people or situations. And um, while that may not have gotten you where you want it to, judging yourself never changes it. Mm-hmm. Understanding and <coughs> having... Um, as they say, radical compassion. I always mm-hmm. tell my clients that word radical is really important because it means it needs to be a beyond your understanding and abilities and, sure. and constant state perhaps of striving for radical yeah. compassion, right? Yeah. And that's, and that's not, it's not easy to do that, but understanding how did you get in this spot, in this space yeah. with, right, self-awareness and self-compassion. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I believe that, um, you know, if you want to have a true and effective compassion for somebody else, that begins with you having compassion for self. Sure. And so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not saying that people who are have a hard time with that aren't able to be compassionate for others. I just I just think it's probably more wearing and exhausting right. and it, more difficult for them. But to have mm-hmm. a type of compassion that really makes a difference in other people's lives, it's, it begins with you having compassion for yourself right. in your situation. Right. And that kind of, you know, that sucks in some ways for some people because some people are in situations where it's like they hear us saying this and they're like, man, that's, 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 I've done that. My, like I'm always the one having to take care of stuff, sure. you know? And so what I'm hearing you say, Josh, is take that care of me. I got to take care of me. Mm-hmm. And, and when is it my turn? Mm-hmm. And I will validate that. Like you it bet. is your turn. Yeah. To be taken care of, and I am sorry to break the news to you, but it's going to have to start with you mm-hmm. taking care of you. It's true. It's a real and disappointment. It, yeah, right. it sure is. But it's also the path to empowerment. Agreed. Yeah. yeah. But I also think that in order sometimes for, you know, just to be pragmatic for a minute, when you say, how do you detox? 
if you're going to build your self-awareness and self-compassion, you may need some distance from the relationship, from the patterns, from the person, from the places. And, you know, I know that, you know, in a perfect world, we all can't just, you know, hop in our cars to a nice Mm -hmm. cozy cabin by ourselves to write and journal and meditate for weeks, right? But where can you create some space and some distance so that you can get some perspective, right? Because as we know, right, we say information is found in contrast. And so sometimes you have to give yourself that space to really Mm -hmm. be able to see, oh, this is what I'm feeling. This is what's going on. This is where it goes off the rails. Right. And just to kind of illustrate what Carrie's talking about with the information found in in contrast, if you have a black statue behind a black background, you might be able to see the, you know, the, the outline of, you might know there's a statue there, you know, you might not know there's one there, depending on how dark the room is. But, um, once you if you put that same black statue behind a white background you can see all the imperfections you can see if there are any you know you can see the the full outline of mm-hmm. it and you see it very differently and it's it's a it's different information mm-hmm. now so that if if the artist of that the sculptor you know feels like some there needs to be some corrections made I would think that they probably wouldn't want to be sculpting a black statue behind a black background. Like mm-hmm. they'd want to be able to see what they need to see to make the changes they need to make. And so that's what Carrie's talking about. Like when you do something so different, it creates a contrast. Um, like being in a room when the air conditioning is running the whole time and then it shuts off and you, re- and it gets really quiet and you're kind of blown away that on how loud Mm-hmm. that room was and you didn't even notice yeah. until it shut off right sure. so um now we're you are t- we're talking about like uh as you're kind of moving up the scale i feel yeah, like that's in what I was getting managing ready. toxicity right yeah. you're, you're kind of getting yeah. into this boundaries mm-hmm. you know like um does your relate do you need to get away a little bit like mm-hmm. you know like if we're going to the extreme you right. know where there's physical violence that's uh, a yes you yeah. do you know yeah. a safety's priority but we, I did a YouTube video on the difference yeah. between ultimatums and non-negotiable boundaries. Nice. You know, because a, some, a lot of the reluctance to, to do this work is the response of the partner. Right. Right. And it's going to it create some level of disruption. And so it's like there are some boundaries that I have to do for myself for our relationship and they're mm-hmm. non-negotiable mm-hmm. and then the partner's like why are you making ultimatums right. and what i the uh, i'll make sure to put a link in, uh, <laughs> i'm putting lots of links uh, to your to your work <laughs> yeah. here josh right? yeah, um i have lots of stuff i did you guys <laughs> please go click on all of it and so uh we i'll make sure to put a link to that uh though but where you can kind of see what i'm talking about but but, but the message i want to send is that when you're setting a boundary for the well-being of yourself and therefore the well-being of the relationships that you're in, that, that's not an ultimatum. Like an ultimatum is really punitive. It's right. like you do this or else I'll do this. Right, right. You know, where when you're talking about self-care, mm-hmm. like it's, it's boundaries. Yeah. And so. Yeah. And boundaries are the are set to have a healthy relationship. They're to ensure nurturance and safety. Right. Which I think that's also kind of what you're saying about moving up the scale, regardless of the threat to your physical safety. Part of this detox is getting to safety. You you have to have safety in a relationship to mm-hmm. in order to move forward. It, you can't be a connected human being 
if you don't feel safe, right? Sure. Even if it's this somewhat minimizing ability to kind of compartmentalize and put it away. Right. If you really are trying to say, let's, let's avoid these scary relationships that re mm -hmm. requires awareness and connection. And so it, if you mm -hmm. feel unsafe with somebody emotionally or physically, then it's your body and your gut is really telling you this isn't a good idea. And so right. the idea of detox is to get, get some distance, perhaps establish some boundaries mm -hmm. so that you can know the difference. Right. Yeah. I, I, let me ask you a question because I um, have been thinking very strongly about this concept of safety. You know, like when it comes to emotional safety, like there is no, uh, we're assuming there's no physical danger. Okay. Right. And so there's no danger there, right? Mm -hmm. It's emotional safety. You know, it's a feelings safety. Sure. So what what's happening in our brains that makes us feel unsafe and and ha you know whose responsibility is it to create that safety and the reason why I'm, I'm saying that is because it's kind of like when people say i feel like i'm walking on eggshells around my partner all the time mm -hmm. and could, josh could you um, make them change so that i don't have to walk on eggshells anymore sure and I believe that this, this, that's a level of emotional safety, right? Yes, yes, sure. So I believe that emotional, uh, or it's, if you feel like you're walking on eggshells, it's your job to not walk on eggshells, you know, mm -hmm. and to deal, and so that the work really is an internal sure. work, but it, whatever it means to not walk on eggshells, that's what people are afraid of because how is that going to impact the dyna the dynamic that exists sure. between me and my partner sure. yeah. right yeah. and of course things based upon the toxicity of that relationship things could get physically dangerous right. and that's something definitely that to be aware of yes but for a lot of people we work with that deal with that they're like they have no fear whatsoever this person would ever hurt them physically, physically. But yet they have, they feel very unsafe. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, Sorry, I rambled on it. You tell me what you, you're thinking. Well, now I forgot what the original question was. <laughs> but no, I think that if you're asking whose responsibility is, of course, I'm going to be an annoying therapist and say it's both, right? It's, sure, the, yeah. it's the individual's job to say, I claim, I claim my feet. I'm not going to walk on eggshells. It's mm -hmm. also the relationship's job to invite mutual care and concern. Mm -hmm. So I, th I think. The challenge, as far as your individual work, is to be able to go to your partner and say things like, hey, you know, whether you like this or understand this completely or not, this is really important to me. And if you're in a less scary relationship, mm -hmm. maybe even lucky enough to be in a semi-healthy relationship, the response of the other person is going to be, okay, I, I'm willing. I'll, I'll give, I'd like to learn more about that. I'm willing to give that a try or whatever, right? right? Um, and I think that in scary relationships, that interim period of I'm no longer going to walk on eggshells could, I mean, maybe that's the avoidance of it. Your intuition tells you this could be over. Sure. Um, and part of our job with people is to say, uh-huh, maybe it could. Right. right. Let's yeah. embrace that for a minute. Yeah. Not advocating one way or the mm -hmm. other, but, you know, there's always yeah. a risk that relationships can end. Yeah. You know, that's that's the implicit part sure. of it. Right. So right. Um, let's let's pull that in. Let's let's bring that to our awareness again. Yeah. And I want to give my, just a brief disclaimer too. I am no way saying in any way, shape or form that feeling unsafe is all in someone's head. Right. OK. You know, yeah, sure. Not at all. No. But just kind of. uh kind of like you said like it's 
there's responsibility that's going to happen on both parts. But the person who feels unsafe, a lot of it is like identifying what their responsibility is. And then that's going to hold the other person's feet to the fire. And that could be threatening to the relationship. Yeah, it could. It could. Well, how do you deal with this once you're done, right? What's the aftermath? The emotional aftermath. So emotional aftermath kind of comes from the idea of what we're talking about. Like when, when changes like this are made, it's often, it's the, it's the, the intuitively knowing that there's going to be aftermath right. that I think is what keeps people from doing sure. it. And, and sometimes it's just fear of disruption in general. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's f- they're f- afraid they might lose the relationship. Right. And sometimes they might be afraid of, uh, on the extreme of like physical violence, right. you know, and feel right. like they're with a dangerous person. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, that's where I think the bulk of the work comes in, to be honest with sure. you. Sure. Well, and I think this is where basic, but incredibly important things like having a healthy support system and, mm-hmm. you know, building honest and trustworthy people in your life that they that's mm-hmm. the whole point of community, right. And loved right. ones in your life is not the whole point, but a big part of the point, right. right? Is so that the aftermath, when you need, when you need sure. them and those systems that they're there. Yeah. Um, and I think that what we do in our work is often invite people to process through those possible risks and mm-hmm. scenarios um, because what we don't know feels like, mm-hmm. you know, the the boogeyman in the closet or let's open the door and let's mm-hmm. turn on the light and let's check it out um, so that you can prepare yourself through this process. And again, building that awareness and building that anxiety management tool mm-hmm. of um, what are you what are you running from? What are you avoiding? What are you trying to protect yourself from? Right. And how do we go ahead and pull that to consciousness? And if you need to be safe, let's be mm-hmm. safe. Yeah. But what are we trying to protect ourselves from? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think being pacing yourself you Mm -hmm. know like not rushing the process uh and um being (coughs) being and and that's a form of being kind to yourself in a way like compassion i i don't have to all to be well all the time like Mm -hmm. i can be a mess yeah you know i can be like regular human beings (laughs) and be a mess sometimes it's kind of like the uh, the concept right that if you to be a good parent it means that you have to wonder if you're being a good parent right yeah right and so if you're a well person sometimes you're like boy that's not well that must mean i'm pretty well right yeah (laughs) it's uh you know it's i say it all the time that i believe mental health and relational health are found in paradoxes Mm -hmm. and that's the that's paradox paradox, right sure and so you know the you know, we could spend hours talking about the process of, but I think those, those elements, you know, you know, self-care, um, d- having a support system, you know, taking upon yourself, if you don't have one to start Develop developing one. those, reconnecting with some, p- with people, mm-hmm. having hobbies that you have let slip through and, and okay. rediscovering that you like to do certain things, have fun and you yeah. enjoy certain things. And um, and start making a plan for this process, but but a big piece of that is to let yourself feel what you feel. Mm-hmm. Like just because you're sad does not mean it's not working, right. you know. Right. And if you push back against that, then you're going to be sad mm-hmm. about being sad. Yeah. And to me, that to me, that's really what depression is. That's is what really I believe. Sad. Well, you know, I so. think I think that you know. Part of going through this from the beginning to the end is just, it's hard. And when things are hard, it's okay to sit down for a minute and say, this is really hard. And in the aftermath to say, I'm still wounded or fatigued or mm-hmm. uncertain. Um, and you're changed through this process. And so the aftermath yeah. is also, I think, accepting that 
where you land is somewhere different than where you started and right. that um, kind of inviting that space for flexibility. Yeah. Right. Which is really the absolute key to mental health. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we really appreciate everybody who tuned in to listen to this. Um, mm-hmm. We didn't get our third camera working, so I was, I was disappointed. Cause I was really wanting to show our, our Ted Lasso. Oh, your new artwork poster mm-hmm. up there. So, but uh, I'll Next make sure time. to put a link in. The oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, we'll try to try to get the third camera working next time. But um, but yeah, I th- uh, we hope this was helpful to the people watching. Mm-hmm. And uh, please, you know, if there's a, a topic you want us to address, yeah. uh, you can uh, just make a comment or something, and we can kind of you know filter through those, and and maybe it'll uh, make it onto one of our episodes. And so maybe. <laughs> Yeah, so feel free to do that, and don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, and we will see you back here next time. Thank you.